0: Hey everybody. Welcome to A Billion Bad Ideas. I'm Clayton Smith. If you've listened to this podcast before, today's episode is going to sound a little different. Actually, it's going to sound it's going to sound a lot different. It's going to be totally different because I'm making a big change here at A Billion Bad Ideas. Rather than just kind of talk about my own work from my own head, which is what I've been doing, I'm going to bring on two other friends and two other incredibly talented and successful authors, Benjamin Wallace and Stephen Luna, and together The three of us are going to create a podcast now, moving forward, that is all about the craft of writing, the spirit of creativity, a how-to on how to publish, a how-to on how to write. We're going to talk about our own kind of misgivings, our own kind of failings, definitely our own successes. We are going to talk about what it means to be an independent artist and Every couple weeks or so, we're going to put out a, a, a new episode, and I, I hope you all like it. I think it's going to be really amazing. Um, we did a very bad job of introducing ourselves this, this inaugural episode, so I'm kind of doing that now, you know, also very poorly. But um, we're going to dive into it, and you can expect this to, to be the new, the new, the new voice of, uh, of a billion bad ideas, the podcast. Mm-hmm. I thought for the first uh, for the first go at this that we I I, I, have a, I had a recently had a friend reach out to me and she is not a writer by trade. Um, she's great. She's really smart. She's certainly well written, but she's not a writer. And she is now launching her first writing project, which is a newsletter. And she reached out a few weeks ago, and she she's like, "Can I ask you a question?" And I said, "Sure." And she said, "How do you put thi- How do you publish your words?" And I said, well, you know, there's lots of different ways you can do it. And she's like, no, 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 no. How do you, as a human person, take the words you have written and share them with the world and open yourself up to all the criticism that's going to come with that? And I said, oh, that's a that's a much different and very good question. And I thought that would be a good question for us to tackle today, because I'm really curious about your guys' um, first kind of forays into publishing. Luna, I know a little bit about yours. Ben, I don't think I know really anything about your first um, you're kind of, your dive into the, into the deep end with publishing. So I thought that'd be good for us to talk about. It. So what it, what was it like for you guys to share your work for the first time, to publish your work, to put it out there, to really just, you know, lay it all bare. And how did it feel to you? How did it go? Ben, I'd love to hear yours first. Cause I don't know anything about it.
1: I think, yeah, it was, it, it was interesting. I think mine was, um, Tempered with a great deal of pessimism, I think if you go in figuring, oh, no one's going to see this, you're not so worried about what the feedback's going to be. Um, but can we? and We should maybe level set a little bit. Like you were really early to the self
0: publishing, so it's not like you know today everyone's on a platform right. hosting everything everywhere,
1: and that was not the case. No, it either. was it was 2011. Um, yeah, the the Kindle had just kind of come out. It wasn't too uh, too common yet, so. I um, it was kind of like the time of apps when everyone was making an app and it was everyone was going to make their fortune with a new app. And you figure, oh, if if you can make an app and put it on Apple, why can't you make a book and put it somewhere? So that was like, oh, look, there is a thing. Like it was, it was, it was really, really new at the time, um, which probably helped actually, really help me in the long run because there wasn't a whole, whole lot out there. It wasn't uh, a million books a month getting published, but. But I did wrestle with at the beginning, like, do you do do a pen name? Do you put your real name on it? Uh, You know, going back and forth, my stuff was going to be very sarcastic, uh, smart ass stuff that could probably will one day still probably get me in trouble for something um i was gonna say was, was going, going to be because i have read your stuff and that is uh <laughs> what happened yeah has a little um <laughs> when people read it they you know when if, if it ever gets bigger it may be a problem but um I, I did consider putting a pen name on it just for that reason like you know you're you're hesitant you've never put anything out there um but in the end i just decided like if i'm gonna own this i'm gonna own this and i'll, I'll put my name on it um you know 10 12 years later i have I may have done it differently. <laughs> I don't know that it's. I was gonna say, do you think that would have been the same process if you know, if you were launching it now and you knew that people were paying attention to things that you know, random people put on the internet? It's. I don't. Would you have done I don't, it the same there's, way? There's certainly. I'm not ashamed of anything I've put out there, but there is probably some benefits to an anonymity. You know, uh, a pen name could be nice, and I know a lot of writers that do write under their own name and several pen names, um, probably more for a marketing purposes you know for branding purposes this this pen name writes in this genre another pen name writes in another genre but um there's when you put your name on it and you're out there with it um you've i feel you almost feel like you have to be on a lot right you know like you're 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 that writer so it's you're you're constantly trying to communicate trying to be that brand when you're the brand i guess is the problem when you put your name on it and you're the brand it's it would be nice to step away from that every now and then I enjoy it. I, I enjoy meeting people. I enjoy, I just met with a reader last night. He was in town. And he's like, Hey, can we grab a drink? Like, sure. And just went out and, you know, sat at a bar for an hour and it was, it was really fun. It was really cool meeting with people. And I like that. But at the same time, it's like, Oh, it'd be nice to have a fake name to hide behind just every, every now and then <laughs> just to take a step back. Yeah. And I wonder too, if that would help with, you know, cause Amazon obviously
0: they really make it easy for people to leave reviews, um, <clears throat> good reviews and bad reviews. And I wonder if having a pen name would make it easier to kind of confront the the possibility of getting people writing really bad reviews about your work, especially early on. Luna, did you did you have any concerns about how people would review your books when you put them out there? Was that an issue
2: for you? No, I didn't even care. I really um, because mine started as hey, it's a um, it was a pseudonymous character, anyways. It was a a website that I was publishing blog posts under this website um, it already had started out kind of anonymous for me at that point point. Um, and when I decided to turn it into a book I got super excited that oh okay and I had to be convinced that um, self-publishing wasn't because at the time when I was doing it self-publishing was the kid who wrote Aragon and he and his dad would go to renaissance festivals with a trunk full of books and then sell them and he got a, a traditional publishing deal out of selling tons of these books Um, and I thought, I don't want to do that. (laughs) I don't think that's my path. So somebody had to convince me, no, you know, you could turn this into an actual book. It's not difficult. And also, uh, Kindle Fire was coming out when I was doing it. So I was like a year later than Ben, I think I did 2012, uh, beginning of 2012. And so suddenly it was in color and you could get the internet on it. And so it was really kind of fun to look at your, your finished book. So after he convinced me to do that, I said, well, there's no way I'm not going to put my name on this because, you know, I think this is fun. And of course, everybody's going to want to read this because it's fun. And I wrote it and, you know, I had that happy idiot kind of energy that I just bring to everything that said, there's, there's no reason not to, to put my name on that. And I I have heard from other people who say kind of like Ben saying with a pen name, they're kind of afraid that their professional lives will kind of overlap with their their writing lives if they have other jobs or other careers and they don't like the representation i guess that their creativity brings either hey it seems like i have a second job and i don't want people thinking i'm you know kind of encroaching on on what my 90 hour a week job is or they just don't want people in that circle knowing that they do these things because they have such a hang-up with me. I brought my books to work. I put them on my desk. I had a friend at work pose for the cover. I I was, you know, kind of telling everybody, holy smokes, you can make your own books, you guys. Did you know this? I was just super excited. So um, looking back, maybe that was a bit naive, but I think naivety has gotten me in a lot of good places <laughs> in my life. So um I carry it with me today. I have that same stupid energy of, of course you're going to love this. Look how cool it is. Whether or not it's cool. I have no idea. That's not even for me to decide really. That's for them to decide. But for me to put it out there, I have to have that. I love this so much kind of, kind of feeling. That, so
0: that whole idea though, of like, that's for them to decide. That was really what kind of tripped me up a lot. Um, and I, maybe it's because like, I always wanted to be a writer. Like ever since I was six years old, I wrote my first book. It was really good. It was about Big Bird. I did all the illustrations. uh, And so ever since then, I knew I wanted to be a writer. And so, you know, by the time I published Apocalypticon, it was 2014. And I was, you know, about almost 30 or just 31. Um, And I had, like, built up this idea of myself for so long. Like, I was going to publish something. And then when I finally published it, to me, it was a really big deal. Because, like, this is the first, like, I had built it up in my own head, right? Of this first big thing I was going to publish you know, Mary Shelley had Frankenstein and I had this ridiculous comedy about the end of the world, uh, which felt a little, a little daunting. Um, and I, but I, I also though, I think, so I, what I do when I, since I self-published, I decided like, I knew I didn't know how to do it. So I wanted Apocalypse kind of be as good as it could be to kind of buffer that, uh, any sort of negative feedback. Cause I, I, again, I had built it up so much. Like if, you know, I knew if people didn't like it, that was going to, be really painful for me um so what I did was like I wanted to make it as good as it could be um technically speaking just to you know try to help myself out so I published I took a bunch of stories I had written and just like stored on the hard drive somewhere and I test published the short story collection and in hindsight it's really funny because that short story collection it was really bad and people didn't love it but I didn't care because I'd put that out there as sort of like a test piece I didn't expect it to be received well kind of like what you're saying and be doing that made me more confident that I was putting out a good thing with Apocalypticon. Um, so I think that did kind of accidentally help me. But I, you know, as soon as I started getting bad reviews, like it did, like it sucked. I didn't like that at all. It took me a long time to kind of start not taking bad reviews personally. Ben, do you ever, does that? did bad reviews ever bug you?
1: Um, I, I think <laughs> they bug everybody. I mean, I've gotten, I've finally gotten to the point where I don't check very often. I used to, you know, check all the time and look at them, and yeah, you'd say you'd say you don't read them, you say they don't bother you, but they do. I mean, really, when it comes down to it, almost every single bad review I've written, I've read on, you know, not my stuff, but everybody's stuff, it says more about the reviewer than it does about the the book, almost every single time. Um, it's fun too because Amazon. I, I used to, like I say, you used to be a little more obsessed about it. Like you get a bad review, and uh, I remember one lady was like. Uh, I never read this kind of genre because I don't like it. And I read this book and I didn't like it. I'm like, oh, well, okay. But you go to like see her other reviews and they're all one star reviews going like, I never liked this kind of book. I don't like this kind of, like, you know, it's like, you don't, it wasn't my book. You're really bad at choosing books to read. Like, you know, you pick 10 one stars in a row for yourself. That's not, that's not on any of the writers. That's on uh, them. So I don't know. It's, it's, um, it's funny though. You talk about the, Nervous putting it out there I think I was less nervous On the first few books Because it was Be it ignorance or Pessimism or whatever But like as I got further into publishing books The pressure kind of mounted for a while Like kind of in like the The fifth, six, seven books And whenever there was a sequel coming out That's when I started to Freak a little more Like I probably should have The first time That's interesting I'm I'm kind of of feeling that right now As I'm working on Apocalypticon
0: 3 You know, Broken World Like thinking about God, how, in how many ways is this going to let down all the people who love the first two books? And, you know, how is that going to, is that going to play itself out uh, in the public forum? And it is a little, it's, it's, it's hard not to get in your head about that. And you're right. I think um, looking back on the first book and the first few books, I would, like I said, I was so worked up about them. And in hindsight, it's just like, they're just fun books that some people like, and some people don't like. Right. So you, you get a ton of bad reviews and you get a ton of good reviews and eventually you, you block out the bad ones and you roll with the good ones. Um, and yeah, the pressure, I think, you're right. It does, it does, it does mount as you, uh, as you build up more people who like your work. So actually I guess if, if you had a lot of people, if everyone hated your work, there would be no pressure to do a good job ever. And that sounds really
1: nice. I think so. I think the first, the first book's the hardest except for the fifth and the seventh and the ninth, those are the hardest yeah it's just like it just you know, some of them are trickier than others but it's like uh the, the the expectation the reader's expectation is certainly part of it and when you start when you first start out there's the reader has no expectation so it might be a little easier i want to go back to that let's all go start over again maybe i do do a pen name and just start start from scratch i don't know i try to pen name with the uh the
0: um the Demon Zero series, and uh, I, I I tried a pen name for that reason you talked about earlier, which was, this is going to be so different from all the other stuff, like, it'll be kind of a separate brand, and it was funny, like, people who knew that it was me were reading it, and they're like, this sounds exactly like you, like, why, <laughs> why wouldn't you pretend it was not you? Um, Luna, when you first launched Joe Vampire, the people who received it well, I mean, because you were so upfront about you know this is my book and i'm so proud of it and i'm bringing it to work and everything you know i assume that most of your early readers were people you knew very personally as you know as were mine um do you think that helps kind of ease into if i know you weren't too concerned about uh the whole process in the first place but for someone who is worried about you know what's it like to put out my work out there the fact that um it's going to be you know largely family and friends like that's got to help right
2: my family and friends didn't actually read it first, <laughs> even though I <laughs> gave it to them. <laughs> um, some of my family has not read it yet, and it's been 11 years, So, uh, or 10 years. So that idea is not as compelling as the idea that you give it to somebody who doesn't have an obligation to make it easy for you, and they like it. And that that kind of lights the fireworks, I think. When I had... Um, workmates who I didn't know very well who didn't know I was you know writing a book or that I could do anything like that and then were impressed in the first place to see it finished and to see it sitting on my desk and then bought it and read it and came back and said they were surprised that it was actually something they enjoyed I think that was sort of the maniacal "Mm -hmm, I think I'm onto something here kind of thing um, had my family read it and, you know, given me good reviews, I think I would have taken it as, well, yeah, of course, you've got to give me a good review. What are you going to do? Break my heart. I've been you know trying to do this for 15 years. So almost the opposite. When you get people who have no obligation whatsoever to like what you do and they like what you do and they want to tell you, that's kind of that's where I've had to come to with the idea of reviews. Initially, it was I want to see if people are receiving it the way I intended it to be number one, even buying it because, you know, it's hard to tell sometimes if people are reading what they buy. So when they review it, at least, you know, okay, somebody started it. Maybe they didn't finish it, but at least, you know, they're they're using what you, what you tried to give them. Um, when they review it well, then it's kind of like, okay, they got what I was trying to say. And that was always rewarding was to read the reviews and say, oh, they caught the pop culture references that I didn't think anybody was going to. They cut, some people would reference like tiny little things that I think, Okay, I wasn't wrong to put that in there. I put it in there for me, probably, but other people picked up on it. So it kind of reinforced the idea that I had. You know, I was on the right track. At some point, it it struck me that the, uh, we're dealing with Amazon customers. We're not dealing necessarily with our readers every time, and so they will review our book as if it's a product and not as if it's a book, um, which is kind of unique. I don't. I mean. Until all of that happened, until the Internet happened, authors didn't really have a way to talk to their reviewers. It was reviewed in newspapers. Their books were reviewed in you know magazines, if they were big enough to get reviews. And these were reviewers who did this for a living. When the Internet broke down all those walls, we just get people who are saying, hey, I bought your book and I read it. It's very egalitarian. It's very democratic. And I've gotten reviews that say, hey, the book didn't download well. One star you sort of come to understand that they're sometimes reviewing Amazon. <laughs> they're not even reviewing the book or they're reviewing their Kindle.
1: Yeah. I saw one the other day. It broke my heart for an author. It was like, oh, I downloaded it and I haven't read it yet. Two stars. Like, No, you're hurting this. Like, you Because Amazon sent them an email saying, what did you think of this book? And the response was, I, I've downloaded it. And I haven't read it yet. Just two stars. Well, I mean... The two stars is a whole other thing. How did they come to that math? Like, you know, what what is their equation to get there? Yeah.
2: <laughs> One star seemed mean. Two stars generous. It, it had this... It becomes this sort of... Um, you're just another thing in the internet to people sometimes. And sometimes I'll see these really horrible reviews where people are warning people off of this book because they had a personal dislike of it as opposed to, hey, this depicts these, you know, horrible things and I need to warn you because it could, you know... <laughs> it could change your spirit. It, it, it has that feeling We're, you're not, you're not reviewing rat poison. You're not reviewing, you know, food that you found to be contaminated. You're reviewing a book. So for you to come across almost maliciously, just because you, you, you know, are upset about it or you don't like it, trying to warn other readers. When it, when I started seeing stuff like that pop up, I realized reviews aren't for, they're not for me. You know, if they if they want to talk directly to me, they can come to me on my social media and tell me they either liked it or they didn't like it. Reviews are for other readers. Reviews are for the people who want to look at it and say, "Am I gonna like this too?" And I I've stopped. I don't I don't look at my review counts. Ben, like you're saying, I don't read my reviews. Good ones come through. I see the little stars. You know, change every once in a while when I look at that, and I say that's nice. But it does not impact me. It's great for, for, uh, advertising. It's great for promotion. And you know that the algorithm counts those stars and those reviews, but I've sort of let myself love what I do and what I put out in the world because I like it. So if I write it and I close the cover and I like what I'm giving the world in whatever way I am, I take my hands off of it now and say, like it or hate it. I'm not asking you to love it. I'm just asking you to try it. And if you can try it and it wasn't for you, fair. I've, uh...
1: Yeah. And I found, I've become a kind of reviewer in that sense. Like I'm less of a harsh critic now because you know, you know what it takes when you see someone be like brutal to an author or a creator of any kind, it's like, you've never made anything. <laughs> I know you've never gone through this because you wouldn't, you would have tempered your words a little more if you, you know, were really being that yeah. way. Yeah. You said something interesting that I think did help me out um, very early on with my first book, even the idea of putting my name on it versus a pen name. And that was when you said it's, and it is, it's a great thing when you put a joke in there for yourself or a reference in there to make yourself smile and somebody else picks up on it and it's something obscure and it's something silly and they just nail it like, Oh, this was you know, whatever they get it. And I think that was the realization I came to that finally let me pull the trigger and hit publish on the book was I'm not all that unique. You know, it's like if I've, put this together with these jokes and i find this funny because of you know the way i grew up or the influences that made me write this there's somebody else out there that will be the same way like there's some poor son of a bitch just like me out there that would just you know if i found this funny they'll find this funny and that was what mainly finally said like okay maybe this will find an audience and when you get those poor reviews like that where you know oh don't read this or something in here i really didn't like like that a lot of the times the the worst reviews um or bad reviews come when you're trying to um and do it so much anymore but when you do like free promotions and like i I bet you like 90 percent of every bad review i got came from a, a giveaway you know, because it was somebody grabbing something that wasn't really, it wasn't for them. It wasn't their genre. It wasn't, like I said, the lady that said, like, I don't usually read this kind of book. And boy, am I glad because I didn't like this one either. But, well, she should never, like you say, it's a product. And that's when you look at the reviews on Amazon and stuff like that. People are reviewing the product and that product was mismarketed to that person in the first place. So, um, and that's why I think for for your friend, Clayton, that uh, was wondering, I think, you know, there there's somebody out there. That if they had the time, if they had the talent, if they had the inclination to write a book, they may write exactly that book your friend has written, and they need to read that book. You know, there's somebody out there that that book is is going to resonate with, and that's the that's the greatest thing about um the self-publishing and the and the internet is I think publishers used to you know it was they would take well only werewolves are selling right now we're only doing werewolves we're only doing vampires we're only doing Y A is what we're doing right now. Cause they're trying to hit that broadest market. When you're on your own, you can, you can find that niche. You can find that person that thinks that Kentucky fried movie was one of the greatest movies ever made and tell them I've got a book for you. You know,
0: (laughs) for a lot of people that whole the, you know, you, you create your first work, whatever it is. And it feels so precious and personal. And it, of course it is that, you know, and I think for some people it's easier to kind of let that go for some people. It's like, this is no, this is my soul on the page. It's really hard to expose that because it's things you wouldn't have shared with people otherwise, or it's a part of you you've never shared before. And it can make you feel really exposed. Um, And I think that, you know, I felt a little bit of that for sure. Uh, I'm glad I did it anyway, though, because I think you never, it's people, and I, I don't know how to say this in a way that doesn't sound condescending. I do not mean it to be that way, but no one else thinks your words are as precious as you think they are, right? Like they may be interested in what you're, saying about yourself but they're not like hanging on every word seeing like what kind of person you are in your soul right they're just interested in hearing your story and maybe it'll resonate maybe it won't your story is going to be way more personal and and precious to you than it's ever going to be to anyone else and i think that coming to grips with that can sometimes be challenging but you know it it gets easier the more you put out the more you realize like a little freeing too yeah, yeah yeah absolutely i think
2: so and it's I can understand where people are not quite sure if it's ready to go ever because you can rework something eternally.
0: I still want to make changes to the first Apocalypticon. I still think
1: of things that I think honestly, like, could I change that? And would it be OK? <laughs> I can't reread old stuff. I can't listen to old stuff. Like when, when we were having everything made in audio Patty's like, you want to listen to this? No, I my wife's like, well, we should listen to it like you listen to it. I can't, I will, it's cringeworthy. It's terrible. I want to change everything. I want to rewrite everything I've ever written.
2: That's so funny. I I have gone back and I look at things that I, maybe I can take it in the time frame that it was kind of, you know, they're my kids and I can see, oh yeah, you were, you know, in first grade here. So of course you drew people with banana fingers and, you know, <laughs> it, you know, but it was a great effort. I always, I don't think I've come to anything that I've published. If I've come to something that I've thought, this is, you know, this is horrible and should have been published. It's something that I didn't publish because of that reason. So I have some sort of meter internally that says, unless I get it to this level, I'm not going to show anybody anyway. So it's fine. And when I go back and look, I'm always relieved <laughs> that, okay, it, it wasn't terrible. And if it were terrible and I published it, I have once or twice when I published under a pen name, pulled the things completely and said, this was a, this was the wrong thing to do, but at least it wasn't part of my my, you know, core work, the core work. I've always gone back and looked at it kind of lovingly and said, pretty good kid for where you were at the time. If I were to do it today, it would be completely different, but I don't want to redo it today. I want to leave it as like a snapshot.
1: You're (laughs) so much nicer to you than I am
2: to me. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe it's a sense of, I don't want to repeat my work. Um, I, you know, I always want to kind of go forward, if I had that sense of, of sort of perfection of like, Oh gosh, I'm going to write a fourth one. I need to make sure all the other three line up and kind of, you know, do that. I would probably spin in circles and kind of, kind of get myself down on even doing it. So I probably just kind of helium balloon it and let it go and say, it's all great. It's wonderful. And that's wrong. (laughs) Here's what I really like about what you were saying though,
0: Luna, because the way you're describing the way that you look back at your old work is how I look at tattoos, which is like, I, it, when I'm getting a new tattoo, I'm always cognizant of the fact that I might look back and be like, why did I get that tattoo? But I, to me, it's always a marker. It's almost like a stamp in a passport book of where you were in your life at that point. And they're touchstones to your own story, to your own past. And I've never thought of work, my my books like that, but I, that's what it makes me think of. But I think you're absolutely right. Looking back, you can see like, yeah, I wouldn't write that today or I wouldn't write it in that way. Or I'd do this with the story, whatever, but that's where I was. And That's exactly perfectly encapsulating what I wanted to do at that time.
2: And you look at, I think you have to look at it too and say, I'm on this side of the window here. So of course I would always, you know, maybe find some things to improve, but people looking at it from the other side, aren't going to see that. I'm not going to point it out to them. So it's not, it's maybe not, you know, perfect the way I would always want it to be, but it was good enough at that time. And it's still good enough to be out there for people who, who aren't, Cutting it up with knives. And maybe that's where everybody reviewing everything kind of changed the whole world. Now everybody can review, they can review their meals, they can review the steps of a church they like, national parks and the monuments that are like one stars, not enough mountains in the Rocky Mountains or whatever. You know, the silly thing. Because it really is. Everybody seems to think that the world wants to know what your opinion of every single aspect of your life is. And when you when you realize that as a creator when you put stuff out there you're in that mix you kind of say oh like ben said that's on the reviewer that's not that doesn't really necessarily reflect my work and even the good ones you say that's real sweet but if i take that i have to take the bad stuff too so i have to kind of say thanks for buying my book. You kind of helped my career and then kind of move on to, you know, back to your creativity instead of your consumer side of the no, business.
0: I'm going to push back on that. I take the good ones and I embrace <laughs> them and they are perfect and they are always correct. And the bad ones are not. And I only get the good ones because that's the, those are the ones that yeah. are real.
1: Those are the good people. Yeah. That, have you ever had a good one hurt your feelings? Ooh, that's a good question. Have you ever heard a good review hurt your feelings? Cause I've got one. It, it probably hurt more than any bad review was, uh, the first book I wrote was called Tortuga's Rising, and I wrote it three years before Kindle. I wrote it in like 2007, and I was going to go traditional with it. And about the same time I was about to put it out there, all the agents I was following online were like, don't do it now, wait, hold on, the, mar- the market's not ready for that kind of stuff. And uh, so I put it in the drawer. And then a few years later, Kindle came around and I put the the first duck and cover book out there, my post-apocalyptic comedy and um, I eventually released that first book I'd written three years earlier and somebody had come to it. It was like the fifth book of mine they'd written. They'd read. They'd, they'd read some of the Duck and Cover stuff. They read the Junker stuff and they, they read this Tortuga's Rising, the first thing I'd ever written. And the guy said, he's finally getting it. <laughs> like, this was a great book. He's finally hitting his stride. <laughs> and I was like, oh, man, I'm like seven years beyond my prime, I guess, at this point. But,
2: but that, OK, that harkens back to it. A- a thing I think, I think creative people don't get it. Performers don't really get it. But when you're, when you're not inhibited by the fact that maybe people are going to be reviewing what you're, you're doing, maybe you are more in your groove in that sense that your creativity comes through for people who read it or see what you're doing. If you were to look at it and say, well, wait a minute, I did much better later on because I like what I created better down the road?
1: Well, what I think, what, why I think it hurt, particularly in that one, is the first book I wrote was a very much a, I've been reading a lot of Ludlum and uh, Clive Cussler, and it was kind of a parody of those, like a thriller. And um, it was very, written very much in that style. And then when I did the rest of the stuff I've done, I've gone and developed my own style. So my, the style I, I would call my own was very different from what that was and he, but that's and he interesting. Thought, oh, too. he's finally achieved something decent at that point
2: so and that's interesting because that was, hey i found something that looks like the other things that i like as opposed to hey this unique thing that he does now and you feel like people are not only reviewing your book they're comparing you to every other book they've ever read that might be in that genre that they thought they were getting when they said i've heard mm-hmm. people tell like <laughs> i think the keywords we used with one of my promotions was um Carl (laughs) Hiaasen. I don't think I've never read his books. I don't think anything is like what he's written, but I noticed people were, you know, buying books like that. And somebody, somebody sent me back an email that there, I think it was on Facebook. They commented, this is nothing like Carl (laughs) Hiaasen. Oops, sorry. (laughs) But they were
1: hard. Yeah.
2: And they were expecting like, oh, you told me a pattern that you were going to be following and you're not following that pattern. I think even without telling us, I know I do it. I I look for something and I think, hey, this sounds similar to what it is. And if it's similar enough, I'm going to be like, yeah, that was right in the pocket. And if it's not similar enough, I'm going to say, well, I was set up. (laughs) I was set up to believe it would be like this. So it's a tough road to hoe, man. (laughs) Sometimes you cannot please anybody except yourself. And that's why I think you have to have the excitement of creating it and knowing that you like what you're giving people. I mean, it's like any birthday present you would give to people. Like, I chose this with you in mind. And if they hate it, oh, that's your problem. (laughs) I did well by choosing I'll take it. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah,
0: I think that's right. Like, you know, as hard as it can be to put things out there, I think really one of the keys is to realize exactly that. It's not for other people. It's for you, right? You're putting it out there. You hope other people like it. Maybe you're putting a message out there that you hope people, you know, who need to see it will see all that, of course. But really, it's for you. And if you're happy with it, put it out there. And if other people don't like it, you know,
2: I think that is a level of success in being an author and being a published author and doing it yourself that people don't realize they really kind of tie it into sales and reviews and counts and, you know, people talking about it. But really like the first level of success is I like this enough for myself to continue creating it because that can really stop people. If you're like, I don't even like it, why would I bother? And then to say, I like it enough. It's like, I always compare it to sending your kids off in, you know, into the world by themselves. You want to make sure their shoes are on the right feet and their shirts not on backwards. And if that if they look good like that, you love them. You want the world to receive them as they're, you know, they're being sent into the world, but you can't control people who don't like, you know, kids in blue shirts. So you have to say, I love you. <laughs> I love you, little book. Go out into the world, or whatever product you, you know, whatever creative thing you put out there. I love you enough to give you the world and hope that they love you too and once you get to that all the rest of that stuff is if it comes in good that's gravy if it comes in bad that's not necessarily something you have to you know let you let deter you from from creating it but it's all something to be prepared for or to learn through we learned through it right we had to go through it because we weren't going to stop doing it so we had to let the slings and arrows kind of come through um People now, I think, because we're 10 years into reviewing literally everything on Yelp, people may look at it differently and say, I don't want to put myself out there and have my soul crushed for that reason, I, you know, I can't create, I think you have to just kind of cover your eyes and jump off the diving board. and
0: But also, man, I see what people post on TikTok, and whatever you've written is better than 89% <laughs>
1: of that shit. <laughs> so you've
0: already, whatever it is that you've created, you've we got are. a leg up if you care about it.
1: <laughs> you know, and, and I talked to a guy that um, he's, he's been wanting to write for a while. He's been writing for a while, hasn't put anything out there and he, you know, just wanted to, it was a mutual friend said "You know, hey ben ben writes talk to him have a meeting for coffee and the guy's like i don't know if it's good enough i'm like the fact that you're asking that question means you care enough and it's good enough like because i've i've read people i've read books that people put out there that never never thought for a second that it wasn't good enough and it shows it's terrible so i think anyone that's anyone that's taken on the task of writing a book and has gotten to the end of it and has spent their life reading and always wanted to do that and pursued it. They have not written a bad book. And I would say that would be something to tell your friend, like, you know, if you've gotten this far, it's quality work. Absolutely. Um, yeah. You know, just, it's a matter of finding, finding the the people that resonate with that and finding people that, you know, share your interest or share your perspective. That's your niche. That's your market. Um, but you're not going to, You're not putting out a turd. I mean, it's just not going to be. If you've gotten that far with it, you know, it's not going to be bad.
2: You do your best work. You put it in the world. And everything after that is a matter of taste. It's literally, unless you are creating manuals for horrible things in the world when you put them, you know, out there for people to say this is a danger, everything else is going to be somebody's taste. And there is bound to be somebody who has the taste for what you've created, whether or not you are willing to slog through what you have to to find those people because sometimes they don't come to you, you know, right away Um, that will determine the other side of the, the the mirror looking in or the window looking in to say, I found my people. I found the people that this was, you know, targeted for, but that, that being a struggle certainly doesn't negate the idea that you created something worth creating and worth sharing with other people. Yeah.
0: So as we wrap up here, I think, you know, we can all certainly relate to the idea of it being challenging to put something out, right? Especially for the first time, the first few times. But, I mean. in
1: mm-hmm. the seventh, and the seventh time. time. And the eighth time, <laughs> yeah, right? The fourth, time. fifth or the sweet yeah. spot. Everything else is terrible. Um Yeah, four and five were simple. Jeez. <laughs>
0: four or five were really simple. That was like Naakua, yeah. Mabel Gray. Those were easy.
2: God, let's Those go Those were kind of there. salad days, right? Those were like. We're riding the high of yeah. people want to see what we have to say. You know, that was fun. That was fun. Yeah. yeah. We need to keep that. We need to hold that energy inside of ourselves, not expect others to give it to us, but to kind of keep that flame alive for us and say, remember when it was fun? Yeah. Let's just do it because it was fun.
1: Finding that flow and finding that flame is definitely, yeah, something worth pursuing.
0: I think that's something we can explore in depth on this show a lot. I yeah. Think we'd like mine some things there. Um, all right. Anyone real quick to wrap up any regrets about ever publishing your own work and putting it in front of people.
2: I regret publishing an erotic. <laughs> <laughs> Which
1: one was that? I got to go back and look no, at that one. Nope. You sure don't. <laughs> I have the word doc. I'm somewhere, sure got I'll got send it. it to you.
2: It was under another name. It was when, um, 50 shades was going all crazy. And I got the idea that, wait, what if I could adapt that to kind of a fun story of what I did and then it was like, well, that was a waste of energy and time and <laughs> embarrassing. So I do remember that now. Okay, that's yeah. mine.
1: <laughs> yeah, writing to market has its perils too. <laughs> that's <laughs> like finding exactly what's not right. and jumping on that bandwagon. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> now I think you know and that's maybe one for another time. But the only thing I I probably would have regretted I, I did start writing a book to almost almost to market to kind of fit a niche I thought would be worth writing to and i've almost finished the book two or three times and i think it's fun but i think if i put it out there i would regret it because i don't think it's in the the right spirit of um like i love the 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 genres i've played in making fun of i've always just had a passion for you know a guilty pleasure for the post-apocalypse or you know the robot uprising and stuff like that zombie stuff but i was playing with an urban fantasy thing and it's just not a genre i'm I think if I put it out there, I'd probably would regret it. So that's, what's that's the one I've hesitated on. The only thing I haven't put out there. So, yeah,
0: I think I would agree with that. I think anytime I've, anytime I've tried to write something that I thought other people would definitely like, I've been really unhappy with it. Every time I write something that I like, I love it. And I've never had any regrets on those. My only other regret is, giving luna the green light to publish his erotic fairy tale that was a big <laughs> one for me too it's, we share that
2: oh that's kind of you to share it because it really felt at the time like this could be something <laughs> and it was not <laughs> it was something it was something it was,
0: yeah, it was, something. It was something else <laughs> <It> was. <laughs> well, yeah. well on that thank you guys for this conversation this was really great and uh you know we'll see y'all next time see
1: ya later